Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Chad and Nate, those voices you hear in the background are Mike Evans and Chad Brown discussing sucking beer through a hot dog and all the different formations that that could take. Chad, you said, we know this. You're not a hot dog guy. No, no. I mean, I, but if forced, I'll eat a hot dog. When's if the last forced. time? When's the last time? Uh, I believe I was... 12. No, no, no. It was uh, during my coaching internship days at some point... We got on the plane, and I was hungry, and they were passing out hot dogs, and I had one. Or there was a hot dog at halftime or something I was coaching. Right. But you but you did just tell Mike that you would be open to, I don't know, bratwurst or some sort of sausage. Uh, bratwurst, uh, kielbasa, any, Ooh, of those, kielbasa. any of those versions of uh, sausage. Um, I'm a little bit more of a pork guy over beef anyway, mm-hmm. so the sausage tends to speak to me over a hot dog because of the, the pork content. How about the beer? Uh, I'm down with the beer. Should you combine them? Delicious. Never. Never. I don't want any pork yep. fat in my beer. Never want... go, you mean to combine them by, by drinking it through it, but what about a hot dog and a beer? That oh, means... I, oh, I could do that. Okay, okay. I would, I'd prefer if you had a, you know, sausage back there. Sausage and beer, preferably. What is kielbasa? Kielbasa is a, I don't know, some type of processed meat uh, sausage thing. It's chopped meat with... Bits of fat in it. It's delicious. And it comes in that big U-shaped kind of... Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. That's a kielbasa. Kielbasa. Delicious. Delicious. What What was... Johnny, what was the situation they were talking about why someone would drink beer through a hot dog? It was someone in like a Yankees game, okay, I guess, like that. made a straw out of it. Yeah. He, uh, went into have you seen the video? The no, I haven't seen the video. Yeah, he's... During the game, he's getting uh, all... Um, I don't know, construction Bob with it. And he's working his straw through the hot dog to mm. create a hole in the hot dog. Wow. Yes. You know, I used to use red vines as a straw. I, I did as well. You, There's Twizzler people out there. Are you a red vine guy or a Twizzler guy? Uh, probably red vines. Prob- it's, it's not definitive, though? It's not. You have to think about it? Um, You're waffling. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm open to either. See, um, are you a black licorice guy? Uh, I didn't used to be, but I, I do enjoy them now. It's a weird thing because I hate the. I, I thought they were the most disgusting things ever yep. as a kid, and now I actually seek out fennel. You huh. know, like the the vegetable that tastes like right. black licorice. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be good for your throat too. Oh, black licorice. Okay. So when I was growing up, my brother was more of a black licorice guy. I was more of a red vines guy. It's it's funny. Like my brother's two and a half years older than I am. But we had a lot of different tastes. Mm-hmm. He always liked uh, maple bars, you know, um, yep. donuts. And I, and I hated maple. I hated maple as a kid. Now I love maple. Did you have maple syrup? Of course. Okay. Maple syrup's great. But I was a big fan of boysenberry syrup. Ah, as a kid, yeah, Berry syrups, yeah. Yes, Knox Berry Farm. Knox syrup. Berry Farm. You said Knox. I did. <laughs> That's how we said it in Southern California, in my no. hood. Knox? Knox Berry Farm. But then you go to Knott's Berry Farm, the... The amusement park. Yeah. Yes. And you called that Knox as well? Yes. Wow. Me and all my boys. 
I'm not sure why why they, why we decided they because the, the, there's a double T on the end. Right. The double T does not become an X. I know no, that as an adult, but as a kid, that's how we said it. Interesting. Yes. And you know what? That was a mistake. <laughs> but, it, but but you don't have to apologize for it. Okay. Sometimes we make mistakes and things don't go right, but we we don't have to apologize for everything. But you know what? Somebody did apologize for uh, a bad performance a couple days ago, and that was Nathaniel Hackett. After the Broncos' abysmal uh, showing in Buffalo, he uh, he apologized. Well, first thing I tell the fans is I'm sorry for that game uh, two days ago because that, that is not what we're looking for. Um, but, he, I mean, I think the fans will understand more, with, you know, when we get all the way to Week 17 or, or all those things. And, you know, it goes with all those guys, Cortland, Jerry, all those guys. Um, we want to see them in real games. We, we want that to happen. And it's, uh, you know, but looking at my past, I mean, heck, we were 0-3 in the preseason last year with the Green Bay Packers, and those guys didn't play. But in the end, they were healthy and they were strong as we finished throughout that season. So that's what you're always looking for. Lots to unpack there uh, with Nathaniel Hackett's presser yesterday. He he was answering a lot of questions about, well, the loss and why it happened and why the lack of physicality, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit. But, Chad, do you think he needed to apologize to Broncos country for getting shellacked? Well, he tied the apology to the fact that the starters weren't playing. I don't think any Bronco fan of any real football background needs an apology for that. If you've got your plan, then that's your plan roll with your plan. I think the apology would be about the effort and the energy and the lack of physicalness out there, getting knocked off the ball. That's what the apology could possibly be owed, not because Corlin Sutton or K.J. Hamler didn't play or because you have adopted this mindset about how you want to approach things and you think it pays dividends in Week 16 in in the regular season. That's fine. I think almost, almost every Bronco fan would say, okay, I may disagree, but that's fine. I don't need an apology for that. What I need an apology for was a poor effort that was going on out there, regardless of starters playing or not playing. Well, he doesn't think it was a poor effort. He thinks it was a lack of execution. He thinks it was a mental issue. Um, he was asked basically, "How do you fix that? How do you fix? How do you bec- how do you become more physical?" And he says, "It's a mentality. It's a mentality, and guys need to be knowing where they're supposed to line up and understanding the system." And so they didn't understand the system, which to me is a little bit concerning because um, that's basic stuff. That's mm-hmm. the most basic stuff you got in there um, is is the preseason matchup when you put your twos and threes in. You're not giving them a complicated uh, playbook there. You're running your base um, runs. You're running your base passes. And so do you think there's um, a little bit of a learning gap going on with a zone blocking scheme that they're putting in where specifically in the running game, clearly in the, the running game is having its struggles. Why is, why is that happening? Okay, uh, is it a mentality thing? Can you develop a physical mentality despite not being physical in practice? Um, in my experience, the teams that I were on that were the most physical, we practiced physically. Um, you are what you emphasize. In, the, in Pittsburgh, we were, the, you know, we were Blitzburg. Guess what? We practiced blitzing all the time, and we were pretty good at that. Um, so uh, there's, in my opinion, there's a direct connection. The physical thing is a very difficult switch to flip just hey coach wants us to be physical now let me just pull my physical hat out and put it on my head and I can play that way um, perhaps he's seen it differently uh, I, I've certainly have played some uh, 49er teams early in my career when they were still in their heyday who played very very physically but didn't practice very physical so it can be done but I think it takes a more experienced team a lot of older veterans to be able to pull all that off uh, the outside zone um, I saw less issues with 
assignment error and knowing who to block error and just getting purely knocked back seemed to be the issue. The Buffalo Bills defense was knocking back the Broncos' offensive line. The Buffalo Bills' offensive line was knocking back the Broncos' defensive line. So when you have such a race like that, I don't care what the scheme is. You can't be successful. I don't care. Offense, defense, 3-4-4-3, nickel, dime, outside zone, inside zone, man blocking scheme, whatever the case may be, you still got to be able to knock the other dude back at some point. So, um, man, I don't want to disagree with Coach Hackett's assessments, but I saw guys getting knocked back as well as guys not aligned properly and not fully understanding their assignment. It's a little bit, though, does it, feel, does it feel refreshing that Nathaniel Hackett knows what the standard is around here, and he knows that a loss like that is, is not acceptable here in Broncos country? We expect more. We expect a Super Bowl. We expect teams to go out and compete and never get the doors blown off like that. Is, does that show that he understands what the expectation is for him? I think so. I think it indicates a level of expectation for himself. Because if he just thought, well, this is just the course of football, regardless of what the standard is here in town, I don't think he apologizes. But he recognizes that was a poor effort. And, yes, you can get beat in a preseason game and still feel pretty good about yourself. But you cannot get beat down like they got beat down on Saturday and feel good about the product, your role in that as the head coach, and how you prepared your guys to go out there and lay an egg like that. It's all puppy dogs and ice cream until you get punched in the face. How are you going to respond, Chad? I think that's what's going to be interesting to see how this team responds. All right, so Twizzlers or Red Vines, Kilbasa or Hot Dogs, Nathaniel Hackett. We're going to get into all that stuff and more next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. One thing I'll tell you I liked is I liked that the offense kept battling. Defense finally got a couple stops there at the end. But, you know, in the end, that's not what we want to be about when it comes to physicality, you know, across the board. I think everybody can be more physical, but it looked like they were thinking too much. There was too much on their minds. Um, and there were just simple things that, you know, when we come out here, you know, I wish that we would get some of those looks. And they were just some misalignments. And the, and the starting point is always alignment and assignment. For defense, for offense, it's just hearing the call and knowing where to line up and then execute. So those basic things, for whatever reason, didn't work. So we have to evaluate you know, all those guys, those guys have to evaluate their process to get ready for that game because uh, we can't put that stuff on tape. That's that's not what we're about. That's Nathaniel Hackett saying it was mental mistakes that forced his team to not be physical, that they had some great looks out there, actually looks that they pray they would have uh, when they step on the field as an offensive unit. They pray that a defense would do what the Bills did, but they weren't able to take advantage of it. Uh, they didn't know where to go or how to attack their angles, and so they failed pretty miserably. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just like you, you talked about it, man. Just getting pushed off the line of scrimmage is, yeah. is the, I guess, just football one-on-one, right? In the trenches, you got to assert your, your physicality. <laughs> We're going to keep saying that word even though it's not a word. Uh, it's in the dictionary, so it, apparently they've made it. We've made it a word. But I heard you say physicalness last segment. Yeah. And it just doesn't roll off the tongue. It doesn't feel as good as physicality, but that's my, again, that's my training when I first started doing broadcasting. Physicality is not a word, so don't say it during the broadcast. Okay. But mentality is a word. Yes, it is. I think that's where the connection to, okay, if you can have a tough mentality, then you can also have a physicality. Right. Uh, but, hey, maybe maybe not. Um, so the physicality, the physicalness, was lacking because of the because of the 
missed assignments or, right. or just so so are you concerned because when we go back to OTAs right and look we're putting in a new system we brought a new offensive line right. coach here right to put in a new system um and and parted ways with a lot of people say the best offensive line coach in the NFL mm-hmm. Mike Munchak mm-hmm. and we're implementing a new system and trying to get these guys moving in that direction Tim Patrick was was on record saying this this offense is really hard we're having to spend a lot of time in there figuring it out, figuring out what to do, um, learning, studying, and every minute that you can be in there, you need, and because we don't have time. And so, is there a concern that this offense is not taking hold with this offensive football team? Well, the the guys who are going to be playing at least for opening day against Seattle, we don't know. We don't know. You had a you know good showing against the Cowboys and enjoying practice, but as we saw. Cowboys didn't exactly show up on Saturday uh, to play the Broncos in the first game. So what really do we know about the first team and their ability to execute this offense? We don't know. Um, Not enough uh, sample size, just one day at a joint practice. Uh, I want to play devil's advocate. Please do. For a second, with that practice in particular, because that's the only... uh, That's the only example we have of this first team playing, Mm -hmm. right? Is that one practice. Yeah. And that one practice came at the end of what, like a week and a half of training camp. Mm-hmm. And that training camp was unusually, not soft, but um, they didn't they didn't strain themselves at all. They didn't push themselves physically. So going into that practice, they were probably not very fatigued, not very sore, pretty fresh. Yeah. Pretty fresh for that practice. The Cowboys may not have been fresh for that practice. Maybe Cow- they were fatigued. Cowboys had already had a joint practice against someone else. They had the one practice against the Broncos, and then they were going against the Chargers the next week. Right. So the Cowboys had three sets of joint practices. And so is it possible the Cowboys were just beaten down and the Broncos were fresh for that one practice? It's, I mean, it's certainly possible. In training camp, I mean, you you know the difference between being fresh in training camp and being not and how, how that can make a tremendous feeling in your body difference as you're going through the rigors of training camp. Uh, if you're beat down, you're tired, you've had too much travel, you didn't get a good night's sleep, that can affect you that day. So, I mean, we're all playing, we're playing hypotheticals here, but we're forced to play hypotheticals because there's been such a small sample size for this Broncos offense, particularly the number ones, that, uh, we really just simply don't know. And Coach Hackett is saying, hey, you got to trust the organization. He's pulling out the Rockies line. You got to trust what we're doing up here because I'm not going to play Russell Wilson. You're not going to see him in the preseason. You got to take my word for it that the, that, that this entire offense, uh, outside of a few guys who I think need to play in preseason games, is absolutely ready to go. And we got to accept that because the sample size is too small for our eyes to tell us anything definitive. And uh, Coach Hackett is not going to change. When I did my first uh, internship in Seattle, one of the last things Pete Carroll said to me is, figure out what kind of coach you are. And I was like, oh, I think I know. He's like, no, you, you need to think about your, your entire system, everything from top to bottom. And for Coach Hackett, he's been a quarterback's coach and a coordinator for a long time. So he's been taking notes on head coaches. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. I like what they did there. I don't like that. So now that he's become the head coach, he gets a chance to look back in his notebooks over the last whatever it is, 10 plus years, and go, all right, I'm going to build my program and base these things that I have seen, that I like and don't like. And so that's what he's doing. And I think he should have confidence and faith in his program. What person who doesn't get elevated to manager or head chef 
or whatever the case may be, your your job promotion and doesn't have some ideas about how things should be done their way. I know what you did. I know what you did. I like that. I didn't like this. I'm going to steal this idea from this guy. I'm going to put that together and make my thing. And this thing is, I'm not playing my starters, man. It's not worth it. So basically, you guys, I'm going to apologize and explain myself, but kind of, you know, suck it up. Tough it out because I'm not, I'm not going to do I'm not this. doing it. Yes. So quit asking. There we go. Right? You statement. got that one, Johnny? I'm not going to. So quit asking. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so, but it's our, it's our job here to question that. Right. And to question if that's the right move because Nathaniel Hackett talked about Green Bay last year, how they started off 0-3, mm-hmm. and they ended up pretty healthy late in the season, right? Um, and so he's using the example of his most recent coaching stint as for this new one. And, and so it's pump the brakes, guys. We want these guys ready for the regular season. Um, but you got Seattle in the first game. And a lot of people say, hey, it doesn't really matter. Those first couple games, you never know what's going to happen in the NFL those first couple games. Who's going to win? It's a crapshoot. <laughs> why are you giggling? Why are you, why are you laughing, man? The first ga- couple games, they don't matter, Chad. What matters is the last couple games. Are you in it at the end? It doesn't matter. You can play crappy football at the beginning. If you're healthy, you figure it out. You know, after the bye week, then you go on your run, then you make your playoffs, and you win the Super Bowl. Tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, it's, uh, it's a little too, uh, too d macky It's a little too... Uh... <laughs> C- Coach, does Josh Allen... Coach, did Josh Allen? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's a little too D-Mackey. Oh, you know, ideally you want to rest your quarterback in this game. You want to look at the schedule and decide, oh, we're going to play the, the JVs in this game and take this game off and rest guys up. It's just this is the NFL. All those other thoughts you have about basketball and baseball, 162 games, 82 games, you can do that kind of stuff. Hockey, you can you know, have that kind of stuff. And football, every single week is important. If you're just going to concede the first couple games of, of the regular season, uh, I don't think that's the way to go. And then you can't just flip a switch suddenly and go, okay, all right, we got it now. Our offense is down. Because everyone else who had their offense down is now on to the next layer of their playbook. While you've been trying to get the basics down, they're on to offense 2.0. And once you get to 2.0, if they're further ahead, then they're going to be an offense 3.0. You'll never catch up. You can't just decide, oh, it's tricky in the first part of the regular season, so we're not you know, really going to work hard and game plan. No, you still got to prepare and try to win, man. You think so? Okay. Yes, so. yes I do think so. <laughs> I absolutely do think so. Okay, okay. Uh, look, the Packers lost their first game last year. Uh-huh. They lost it. Yeah. And actually, they played really, really bad. Um, they only put up 10 points. Three points, I'm sorry. Three points against the Saints. Yes. 38-3. to three. They came back and finished 14-3. and three. No, 13-4. and four. Mm-hmm. The number one seed in the NFC. When we come back, we're going to talk about why that matters or if that matters. We'll do that next. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. The point on the flamboyant temper just toss that ham in the frying pan. I can it done when they come in camp. Ham, I feel like the son of Sam. You feel like the son of Sam? Occasionally I have, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how that feeling really is because, you know, I don't have a dad who did awful things. Um, but yeah, I felt like a wild person in my days. 
have been a little buck wild. Who hasn't, Chad? Who hasn't from time to time? Some now, people haven't. Before the break, um, we're talking about Nathaniel Hackett's idea that the Green Bay Packers, um, who started off 0-3 last year in the preseason, ended up getting it together, obviously, and having a pretty good season. They won 13 games, Chad. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of games. Would you be happy if the Broncos won 13 games? Uh, everyone in Broncos country would be, me included, yes. Okay, so, so then chillax. <laughs> Relax, because we're on the path here. The first game Relax. of the season, <laughs> the first game of the season doesn't matter, man. I mean, D <laughs> Max said as much, and so we get that. But I will tell you, and you can tell me whether or not this is a coincidence. But every single one of the teams represented in the conference championships last year—the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Rams, and the Niners—all won their Week One matchup. Mm. Is that a coincidence? No, I don't think so. I think good football teams play good football, and they win most of their games. And they hit their they hit the regular season ready to go, um, and they find a way to play with some consistency throughout the season. Uh, that's typically how it works. I mean, there are teams who get hot late and get over maybe overcome some injuries, off season injuries, and get it together late. Uh, but the the model of a good team is to hit the ground running and stay running all season long. You there's no ramp up period. Well, we're fixing to find out. We are going to find out. So, and, and just just be clear. I, I, I haven't looked at the text line yet, but I'm sure, you know, oh, my gosh, Chad, you're overreacting. It's one game. It's a, it's, it's, it's the opening day. It's 17 weeks, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying that just because what happened Saturday, that they are destined to lose game one. And I'm not willing to make a definitive statement about, Camp Hackett in the experiment that I see this being uh, based on one week. Uh, as I said yesterday, I don't think we'll really truly know until probably week three of the regular season if this team is really ready to prepare from a schematic X's and O's execution standpoint, but also from a physical, the physical violent part of football standpoint. So we will see. Um, I can't say they're going to be awesome based off of one game against the Cowboys, nor can I say they'll be awful based off of one game with the Bills. Let's keep seeing uh, the results of this experiment before we call it a done experiment. So you were there on Saturday. You were in the building. Yeah, great view. The Buffalo has a fantastic booth, by the way. What makes it so fantastic? It's low. Sometimes the booths are so super high. Um, as some of the new stadiums, they have decided that um, the people who pay for suites deserve better seating than the people than the broadcast teams. Mm. So uh, if you're doing a Miami Hurricanes game on the radio, not only are you in the end zone, you're in the corner of one end zone. You literally could not be any further from the action uh, in any place in the stadium. How do they expect you to call an accurate game? They don't expect you to. I think they just say, tough it out. So you have to, once the ball gets on the other side of the 50, you literally have to call the game off the jumbotron. It's ridiculous. The Bill Stadium is right there on the 50-yard line. It's low. It's a great view. Um, it's one of the better booths in the broadcast world. Okay, so you had a good view of what happened there. Yeah. Um, and for me, like, when I... So 2005 was an interesting year for me as a professional football player because it was the year I made a switch to tight end. I had a hamstring issue going on the whole time. Uh, I wasn't very good at the position I was playing, and I was, every week, one of the one of the eight guys who didn't suit up most mm-hmm. of those weeks. I, th- I think I suited up for four or five games that season. So I always w- was watching. You know, I, I practiced all week. I went through the preparation. I was on the field. But then when come game time, I was sitting there watching. And I always had a pretty good feeling about whether or not we were going to win 
before the game ever started. I'd be sitting in the locker room, and I would feel it. You know, the energy in the locker room and, and the pulse of what was going on. I would know if we were about to go win or lose. That AFC Championship game against the Steelers, I didn't suit up for that. I was sitting in the locker room before the game. I didn't want to feel what I was feeling, but I knew we were about to go out and lose that game. Give me the give me your criteria between winning and losing. This is fascinating. I'm all into this. It was just Good. a feeling, man. It was just a feeling. It was just a feeling about the energy in this room. Are we ready to go or not? Can you, is there anything specific that you can cite? No, it wasn't like oh, this coach chose a, a, a you know a chocolate hot or a chocolate hot dog, a chocolate donut instead of a maple donut, or he's you know five minutes late to get his coffee, or this guy is like taping his hands weird. There was nothing like that. So the 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 outer it was the energy level. Okay, so the outer appearance was the same. Everybody was doing what they're supposed yeah, to. Yeah, guys were in the lockers and getting dressed and getting yep. taped and. There's some, some you know, guys are walking around with their headphones on. All that was happening. Same routines but, for everybody. But the energy was just... It was the energy. It okay. was the energy. Okay. And... Uh, like you do it, like... Uh, it was like, the energy. Like Italian, yeah, it was, the, it was the energy. Yes, yes. Okay. So, did you feel any of that before the game? Like, watching these two teams warm up. And also, you go to a high school football game or, or sometimes, you know which team's going to whoop which team's ass because of the, you just watch them warm up. These guys have more juice. Did the Bills have more juice? Then the Broncos going into that game, did you feel that happening? Uh, actually, rode over on uh, a bus that wasn't didn't have players on it. It was like a media, all the extra folks who are part of the Broncos road trips, rode over to the stadium from the hotel on that bus. But we got off the bus with the players and had to go through stadium security with the players. What do you mean? Okay, so because like, when I played, there was no stadium security. You just get dropped off the bus. You just walk in the. Oh no! It's now you have to go through stadium security whenever you go into a stadium. Now, as a player, your bags are checked for explosives. Come on! Yeah, what? seriously. <sighs> so there's a outside the Bill Stadium. There's a little uh, like a construction hut, and in that hut, they have the things you put your bags on that scan your bags, and you walk through yourself through the the the, the, the body scan. So the players and all us media folks kind of mingled together to get through this security checkpoint. And I was, you know, just kind of quietly just looking around and, okay, I think these guys look like they're ready to go. <laughs> now, you know, some guys who knew they weren't playing clearly knew they weren't playing. A little playing. more relaxed. Yes. Yeah. But there was guys who I knew were playing. I was like, okay, that guy looks ready to go. Did that you, guy looks ready to go. Did you see Brandon McManus's outfit? Uh, I did not. See, when I saw that photo, I knew... These guys are going to lose. <laughs> okay, what was he wearing? He's just wearing some weird top, like safari hat, oh. like some just like just over, just like a type type of hat. When you pack it, you have to pack it a special way because uh. you cannot like you have to almost bring a separate bag for okay. that hat. One of those, okay? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So when I saw that, I was like, "Yep, that's kind of predictable." <sighs> the 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 look at me outfit is well, I mean. I didn't see the video, but, you know, the video before game one with Russ in his all-white outfit. I saw a still of the video. Mm, that's and, right. Yes, and all that stuff. So, you know, the outfit thing now is gone from the NBA to the NFL. Mm. You have to show up in some Instagram-worthy, GQ-worthy outfit. you got to have the man fit of the week. Because you know what's going to end up on social media. Right. Right, yeah, back in our, our day, you didn't have to worry about that. Nobody was like... Looking for what you were going to wear and put it on the internet. No. No. All right. So um, the question I was asking you. Yes. <laughs> which I've totally <laughs> forgotten. But, oh, yeah, about the energy. Yes. So 
Did you feel like the Broncos were going to lose that game? No, I did not. Again, I walked through the security with the players, and I thought, okay, the right guys look like they're ready to go. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Okay. And looking at pregame warm-ups, I've seen disastrous pregame warm-ups before. Where, you know, because the, the last part of pregame warm-up is your kicker kicks a kick. I've seen it where the kicker mixes, misses the short kick. Right. Or the snap goes bad. Or the quarterback, uh, the, the pat-and-go, where the quarterback's patent-and-go with the receivers, and the quarterback's awful, and the receivers are dropping passes. I've seen all that. Yep. I didn't see any of that on Saturday. Okay, so they so it probably took them by surprise, right? Probably. And sometimes that's a good thing, to, to, to get your butt kicked, and, and it's how you respond. This is the first test. This is the first bit of adversity that the Broncos are going to deal with here. Uh, the first time something they were trying didn't really work. Yeah, we've been questioning it, um, their, their methods, because it's unusual to us, whatever. But this is the first time that it actually didn't work on the field, and we have that evidence. So how are they going to respond to that? So going into this third preseason game, like you mentioned, it's clear Nathaniel Hackett's not being swayed by all the voices out here thinking that we got to play the starters and get them ready. He's not going to do that. So what what can the Broncos hope to accomplish in this week three preseason matchup? Find a way to, it's going to sound super generic, play better. Now, I'll give us some more on that, Chad. As I talked about yesterday. Uh, Don't suck. <laughs> as a coach... I'd like to see a little bit of a game plan for you and your coaches to start preparing the, the the part of the game plan that's your responsibility, but also to get these players the best chance for success. Uh, I took this note yesterday, and I want to, when we get to our distraction segment, I want to dive a little deeper into this thought. No regrets. No regrets. There's going to be a bunch of dudes whose NFL career, or at least their time with the Broncos, will end August 30th. Tuesday, 2 p.m., August 30th. That's when they have to be down to 53 guys. And looking at some of the depth issues on this team, they'll probably release more guys so they can bring in guys from other teams. So there's going to be a number of roster spots that are going to turn over here. Um, and if I was facing that situation, if I were a coach, if I were a player, if I were anybody in this situation, how do I make sure that I walk away with absolutely no regrets? What's, what's my responsibility there? How do I ensure myself best chance for success and my players best chance for success? How do I do that? You know what? When we come back, uh, let's dive a little deeper into that. No regrets. No regrets. We're going to dive deeper into that. But next, we're going to have our boy Andrew Mason. He's going to tell us about his regrets and if he has any of those. That's next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Band presents Chad and Nate. You know who keeps my head ringing, Chad? Uh, it's got to be Andrew Mason because he's the head head ringer around here. He is the head ringer in charge. Uh, Andrew Mason, our senior Broncos writer at DenverFan.com, is joining us on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. How you doing, Andrew? I'm all right, but I thought the, the guy in charge was Raj. I, he's, you know, I'm... I'm 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 just over here, kind of you know, you know, making making sandwiches and whatever, you know. <laughs> You're made, well, make what kind sandwiches? of sandwiches? Yeah, you what, what do you got over there, man? Because I'm kind of hungry. Could you, <laughs> could you make me one as well? Um, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I'll I'll see what I can scarf up. I got to go uh, go get some more cold cuts. So I'm, I'm I'm out right now. You got any hot dogs? Any kielbasa? Maybe a little beer? I can uh, drink uh, through I the have, hot dog I have, straw. I have I have some chicken sausage that's got the. Mm. Uh, a little cheese in it. Um, <laughs> All right. And I, have, and I have some turkey dogs. So, 
That'll work. That'll work. All right, so, Andrew, I want to get into this article you wrote for DenverFan.com, and uh, you're doing a, a lot of great work, some very thorough recaps of practices and what you're seeing out there. This latest one, you're talking about three players for the Broncos who um, have been on PUP and we're wondering if they'll be ready. We got K.J. Hamler, Randy Gregory, and Billy Turner. Uh, all those guys are off PUP now, correct? And so where do those guys stand? Do you think we'll see them week one? Give us an update. Well, I mean, the fact they brought them off pup to begin with shows that they think if they're if they're not going to be available for week one, it's going to be soon. And right now, uh, just kind of getting a feel for them, I, I'd be I'd be surprised if Randy Gregory is does not play week one. He's coming on really well. It's looking has, more sorry, positive. Sorry, him. sorry to jump on you, Andrew, but has has Randy actually been involved in these full pad padded practices, or are they still easing him into it? Oh, they've been easing him in, but he had his. He, he did more work yesterday than he has in previous practices. So he's been kind of on a on a gradual incline. Last last week, all he did team period wise was uh, was was the, um, the the jog through the the regen days as, as they call them. But uh, you know, yesterday did uh, did more than he has been doing. So he's he, he's on the incline. And with KJ Hamler, it's a matter you know, the fact that. They're even considering playing him in the preseason game on Saturday. I don't think they will ultimately, but the fact that it's on the radar now to to, to maybe get him some reps if, if he's reached that point, I mean that shows that he too is uh, on an incline is on an incline and is making progress. Uh, Billy Turner though didn't see him out there yesterday and didn't you know saw he made kind of a brief appearance on the rehab field uh, last week and. Uh, hasn't been there. So I'd say right now, Turner looks by far the least likely of those three to be ready for week one. All right. With guys coming off of pup and all that, it brings to mind uh, roster movement. This is that time of year. Uh, cuts are due today by two o'clock. Five guys have to be released. So the, so the Broncos could bring their roster down to 80 players. Uh, do you have any uh, intel on who the five guys who will no longer be a Denver Bronco be? Who that will be? Uh, at this at this point, no. I mean, I, I could only try. I could only guess, and I'm not sure that the the guess would the guesses would be accurate. Now, I mean, when you're talking about going from 85 to 80, part of those decisions come into that cut that, that come into play to get to this last preseason game are okay. We need enough guys to get uh, through to have enough players at X position, at, say position X, position Y to get through without having to put our starters in if, if we don't want to do that. And so uh, that's why I, I'm not, I, you know, like the offensive line, for instance, um, especially with the Casey Tucker injury, I'm not sure that we'll see uh, a cut from the offensive line, for example. Um, uh, and I, I think uh, maybe the same can be said of, of the defensive line because they, they put Marquis Spencer on the waived injured list uh, yesterday. So that. It, the, the guys that are cut today, I wouldn't necessarily say they're going to be the bottom five guys on the roster as much as uh, specifically the five, like five guys that they feel like they don't need for this preseason for, for this preseason finale because you're you're very much just trying to get through this game and then move on to when it counts. Andrew Russell Wilson is a 33 year old quarterback. He wants to play 10 to 12 more years. When you look back at his history in Seattle, the best years he he he, he had were when the Seattle running game was potent, was clicking. 
Um, and so it's an imperative that the Broncos create a ground game that does the same, that protects Russell Wilson, that opens up the play action and the keepers, and that creates those long ball opportunities for him, which makes the ground woes that the Broncos have had thus far concerning. You wrote uh, in your article that three first downs in 36 non-kneel down rushing attempts so far in August yields a piddling 1-12 in 12 move the chains rate. That is concerning. Can you tell us what, in your opinion, is the problem with this Broncos rushing attack? I think uh, it, it's it start it starts up front, and it was I asked Nathaniel Hackett about this yesterday, and he talked and he basically talked about how it it starts kind of with the assignments and it starts with the mental side of it that you're not you're going to get beat physically when you're not there mentally in terms of knowing. Where you've got to, where you've got to go, who, who you've got to block, what direction you've got to, to go in. I mean, as you as you guys know, outside zone, it's an incredibly precise uh, uh, method of, of trying to to run the ball. When you, when it works, it can be highly effective, and not only highly effective, it can be highly highly effective. But it doesn't necessarily matter who's uh, running the ball. You can go deep into your depth chart, and if the guys up front are doing what they're supposed to do and doing in that precise manner, the, the, the running back just has to read, read, read the hole as it flashes open, make that cut, and go. And with the, by and large, with the reserves, we have not seen that. We've seen it more with the first-teamers when they've been out there at practice, and we saw it with the first-teamers in that joint practice against the Cowboys. But at the same time, we still haven't seen it in, in a game. So I think it's, it's fair to be concerned in it as, as the Broncos make this transition to fall on an outside zone. And it might be kind of, it might be kind of awkward early as, as the line gels and, and figure and figures things out. And so I think they'll get, I think they'll get there over the course of the season. I think especially on the first team, they have enough talent to do it. But right now it just doesn't seem, it, it doesn't seem like uh, anybody's really on the same page. Now, that being said, I don't think it was a coincidence that all three rushing first downs that they had were on the one possession that Quinn Miners played because Miners playing at right guard to start the game, it seemed like he brought up the enti- he brought up the entire uh, level, especially on that side of the offensive line, and it functioned smoothly. So maybe it will go better when you've got the the ones fully out there. But right now, fair to be concerned about the depth after the lack of holes that we saw and the number of times we saw Broncos running backs met in the backfield the last two games. Uh, Mace, Brett Rippon had a good performance in the second half last week, considering uh, how poorly everyone played around him, 22-26. Um, this quarterback competition, is it still a quarterback competition or just the experience of Josh Johnson just giving Nathaniel Hackett that much more trust in him and he's just kind of the de facto backup and waiting? I mean, it's not over yet, and certainly I think they'd like to see if Brett Rippon can stack another performance uh this week, like he did on top on top of last week, I mean, it's still you'd still have to say that Josh Johnson's uh, in the lead on the balance of work, and they did bring him in to be the number two. I mean, if you if they thought Brett Rippin was enough, I know they wouldn't have brought in Josh Johnson. They probably would have, like I said, Rippin's the number two, and then bring in an undrafted rookie to kind of uh, see where see where he goes. And that that wasn't the case. But I think uh, you know you look back at, at Rippin at Rippin's arc, and even looking back two years ago when he. Uh, when he started, he he did he did pretty well uh, late in that game against uh, against Tampa Bay when he came in for Jeff Driscoll. Then the following game, the Broncos won, but you know, he threw through three picks, and the Jets seemed to have his number, especially as the game went on. So I think uh, with Brett Rippon, 
there's a window there, but I think he needs to stack another performance like the one he had in the second half Saturday uh, on top, on top of that, when he goes out there against Minnesota. And if that's the case, then I think he can make the decision a difficult one. Andrew, in your DenverFan.com article, you included some notes, just practice notes. Uh, one of those were the the fellas not practicing, wide receiver Tyree Cleveland, linebacker Jonas Griffith, offensive lineman Casey Tucker, cornerback Michael Jamudia, and and punter Sam Martin. And I was watching the uh, the NFL Network broadcast, and it wasn't it wasn't Chad and Ryan Harris. It was the Buffalo uh, broadcast, and they said, and I need you to confirm or deny this report that uh, Sam Martin hurt himself playing catch with Brandon McManus in warm-ups. Is that accurate? Can confirm, yes. <laughs> and I, I was I was not an eyewitness to it because it was at the other end of the – I was at one end of the field. It happened at the other end, but I know two people that saw it happen with their with their own eyes. What I what I did he make the was, catch? Did he make the catch? Was he trying to toe tap? How did that How did that go down? I do not know if he made the catch or not. I know that he I know that he was trying to. And the other thing, the other the thing that I noticed is like he he had that, and then he tried to punt a couple of times, and you could kind of see that his follow through was really kind of clipped, and and then he just after one of the punts, he just kind of put up put his helmet on and uh, jogged back and and, and walked jogged back to the locker room, and that was the that was the, the last we saw of him. So I don't know if he if at least he was able to make the catch uh, when he got injured, but they're expecting him back by, by, by Saturday. But really, kind of a let's face it, a silly way to get hurt. Uh, the Broncos play Minnesota here in uh, Week Three. In Week Three, traditionally, uh, from a regular se- from a regular preseason standpoint, there's a little bit of game planning in, in Week Three. Uh, that's where the coaches work on their game plans, work on their presentations for the team. Uh, they're facing a, another young head coach in Kevin O'Connell. Um, what can we expect from this uh, Vikings team? And do you think there will be some actual game planning by this Broncos staff to get ready for week three here? I think there'll be a little bit of game planning. Uh, what it's more about, though, is uh, getting players kind of into a regular, into the regular season mode in terms of how the day goes, uh, in terms of meetings, uh, when practices, et cetera. So today, for example, resembles a, a normal Wednesday. Tomorrow resembles a normal Thursday. And then, uh, and then Thursday resembles a, a normal Friday if you'd have a, a Sunday game. And so there, there's going to be some game planning, some study. Now, you know, you have uh, Kevin O'Connell going out there with the, the Vikings, and they're doing a lot of outside zone stuff as well. So some of it offensively is going to look uh, very familiar. And then Ed Donatel is running the defense. So uh, it's, it's, on the Vic, it's on the Vic Fangio tree. So I think – if they do a lot of game planning, they're going to be looking kind of in the mirror a little bit uh, at what they see from the Vikings. But more more so this week is about kind of getting into a regular season routine and uh, especially introducing just to the to the rookies uh, what it's going to be like day to day as they get ready for a game. Minnesota Vikings are 0-2 in the preseason so far, so Kevin Connell uh, on the hot seat also. Both of these young coaches could get fired if they have a bad week three preseason <laughs> performance. Thanks for, thanks for joining us, Andrew Mason. Great stuff, as always. My pleasure, fellas. All right. That was Andrew Mason, our seniors, senior Broncos writer, DenverFan.com. When we get back, Chad's going to enlighten us with a segment of distractions. That's next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.